For this second episode of Courage and Other Seawords, I go back to the beginning. Who am I, anyhow? Why did I turn my whole world upside down to start a cider company? And why did we end up calling it South City Cider Works? Here we go! Welcome to Courage and Other Sea Words. I'm your host, Jen Root Martell, and I'm excited for another great episode. That last one, definitely heavy. I shared our company's roller coaster journey through the pandemic over the last eight months, and it brought out more about my personal struggle than I was expecting. But it felt really good to get it all out on the table. I did intentionally keep it pretty general in regards to our company putting it out there as an example of one small business's struggle through COVID this year. So thanks for going with me on that one and for jumping headfirst. I appreciate it. But now you can pump the brakes, turn back the clock or whatever other slow down cliche comes to mind and start this story where it makes sense to start it at the very beginning with the most common question that we get when we are in front of customers. And that is, why cider? Why a cider company? And I will get to that. But I need to go even farther back to share a little bit about myself. I'd like to put this in a little bit more of a context. So I won't go on and on with all the details of growing up in Northern Virginia in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. But as a child, I was drawn to the world outside the U.S., I traveled a lot with my parents growing up. It was only the three of us, after all. And I always assumed I would end up working internationally. It became a bit of a calling. So in college at the University of Virginia, I focused on degrees in foreign affairs and anthropology. And after a failed attempt to join the Peace Corps after graduation, I jumped into a master's degree uh, in public policy at American University with a focus on policy analysis and international development. So through those courses, I fell into the world of nonprofit grant management and development, which would determine my career for more than 10 years. So you might be thinking, oh my God, what did I just sign up for? However, I do have a point in bringing this up. And no, I'm not trying to wave my credentials around. As you have probably already noticed, nowhere In this list of majors, job descriptions, did you hear enology, just the study of wine, or business, finance, agriculture, cider in any way? And that, that is my point. So if you're considering starting a business and have that passion, but keep second guessing whether you're ready because you don't have a degree in it or any specific training, stop it. None of us had any background in business or cider before we incorporated the company. And in retrospect, yes, having those skills would definitely have made things easier, but just saying it was still possible that asking the right questions and having the right answers to those questions will get you where you need to go and you can make it happen. So, okay, cider was clearly never in my grand plan growing up. But now we get back to that fundamental question. Why cider then? And I have to say, it is an excellent question. 
it actually took me sitting down and working through this episode to realize that cider always had a place in my life. I just never thought anything of it. While I lived in D.C., I played an Irish stick sport called Kamuge. Well, that's the female version of the sport. Most people know it as hurling, not to be confused with curling, which is played on ice with brooms. Hurling is played on a field with sticks made of ash and is actually very difficult. I played Kamuge for more than eight years and Magners, the cider from Ireland, uh, was always around. That was our drink of choice, and we drank a lot of it. So when Alex and I moved out to Alexandria, Virginia, across the Potomac, even our apartment building book club always had a few six-packs of woodchuck cider for the group. It was just always the go-to drink for many occasions. And especially after I started having some stomach issues in 2008 and had to go gluten-free for a while, cider was there for me. So that's my personal story, and I didn't even realize, but... Before we started the company, Alex, my husband and business partner, who you will hear from time to time as we go through uh, this podcast and telling our story about cider, he also has a little bit of a history with it. And during several business trips to the UK over the years, he was introduced to cider and fell in love with it. UK is basically the cider motherland, according to to most of historians. Um, So he got spoiled early by some really amazing ciders. So with that in mind, it doesn't seem so far-fetched, now that I think of it, that we both fell into the cider world later on. But it was definitely never on our radar. For us, it was more of an aha moment. And for that longer version, I would say that our formal cider story starts only shortly after we moved out to California from D.C. in the spring of 2013 can't believe that was seven years ago. Seems like yesterday sometimes. But in California, we landed in San Bruno, which is located just south of San Francisco, being one of the only places that was marginally less expensive than anywhere else uh, in San Mateo County, which we call the peninsula out here. And of course, we chose one of two urban centers in the entire country that is more expensive than D.C., which was a brilliant move in general. But once we moved, Alex went about his work at the tech startup that helped move us out. And I totally had burned out in DC. So set about looking for jobs myself and testing the life of being a temporary stay-at-home puppy mom to our 65-pound golden Australian Shepherd mix. His name is Brooks. And also attempted to learn to cook, Mostly burn things, tried to do Pinterest DIY crafts, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> but one irony about 2013 was that basically, as soon as we moved across the country, a bunch of our favorite people decided to get married and have weddings that year on the East Coast. So a few months after we'd moved, A wonderful friend from UVA was marrying the love of his life at a winery in Central Virginia. Actually, I think it was our first wedding that year that we went back for, now that I think of it. But as we were planning the weekend with our group of friends, we noticed that there was basically a full day of free time between the traditional Korean ceremony on Saturday morning and the more Western wedding ceremony and reception that night. 
a bunch of us looked around for ways to spend the time. And we were pretty much all tired of wine at that point. I was still nursing the gluten-free diet that I had mentioned earlier. So one of us landed on the idea of a cider tour. It sounded absolutely perfect. In retrospect, I also wish I could have taken credit for that, but I'm pretty sure that was not my idea. But after the morning ceremony and requisite pictures, the small group of us headed off to our first stop, which was Albemarle Cider Works. It is a beautiful estate cidery just south of UVA that nurtures heritage Virginia apples and also makes some incredible cider. We snagged a table, got our glasses, and it was a pretty slow morning. Pretty sure it was raining. And the cider maker came out on the patio for his lunch break and indulged us for a couple of hours about all of his different offerings, shared some cider wisdom with us. It was totally awesome. And he gave us some really great insight into the process and the role of the apple in making cider. From there, we marched on to Bold Rock Cider, which at that time was a couple of small barns down in Nellie's Ford with a rustic tap room, super relaxed feel. We grabbed some bottles of cider and wandered around. It is unclear to me when that exact aha moment happened. But what I do remember was that by the time we were finishing out the afternoon at a winery, Alex and I were in the backseat just off in our own world of cider. It was awesome. <laughs> we were already coming up with potential company names, talking about what this could look like once we got home. The seed had been sown, so to speak. And yes, yes, I went there. But we had really just both looked at each other and said, this would be so cool to do at home. Like, how hard could it be? Back home, we went back to our daily tasks and just couldn't shake the idea of starting a cider company. We had no clue how to even make cider, but making a product that we enjoyed and that others could enjoy was just so appealing. And coming from DC, entrepreneurship was never really on the top of my list. The culture there is super risk averse. And I think I internalized a lot of that. But out here, there is a culture of invention, production, something crazy happening in California. Um, it's that or there's something pretty epic in the water. Unclear. But either way, you want to just go and build and do. And those who we talked to about this were totally on board, even most of the people we talked to seem to have a, a similar side hustle, maybe not to the extent of commercial product, but some sort of hobby that they were looking to actually get into full time at some point. I'll get into this more in the next episode, but it even seemed like on a market level that the Bay Area was ready for a new local cider and that there was room for that. How could it hurt to start looking to options? We started brainstorming a business plan looking at what we could do to finance a venture. All arrows really seemed to point down the path of let's make cider. And we just couldn't ignore it. So while we threw ourselves into market research, we went about trying to put the right name to our potential cider company. That was really critical for us. And we believed that that would inform what our audience would look like, what our brand would look like, and basically the vision of the company. And this is funny to think about, but the first name that we came up with was actually 
pipsqueak cider. The Another name for the seeds are pips. Uh, I also had an imaginary mouse growing up. Only child, don't judge. But uh, a mouse could be like a really cute mascot for something like that. I think there was even a fountain on that cider tour in Virginia that had a mouse as part of it and sort of like hit off the the thought of, of that as a name. Uh, turns out that it was actually already taken. I think somewhere in New Zealand had already been running with that name. So probably for the best, but it was that type of, that type of name that we were working with at the very beginning of this. And the fact that most names would be taken will be a recurring theme over the years as we grew the company, for those of you who know our ciders. So pipsqueak aside, naming things has never come easy to me. And what we would call the company was clearly no exception. Since we lived in San Bruno at the time, we really wanted to make a cider that could exist in the urban space. We didn't have access to a beautiful orchard. So bringing cider into the city became a very defining aspect of the company. A few blocks from us is South San Francisco. And as you are driving along 101, you will see a huge sign on the side of San Bruno Mountain that reads, Sell San Francisco, the industrial city. And Sell San Francisco is also nicknamed South City to those who live there, uh, which distinguishes itself from its larger neighbor to the north. And that really resonated with what we were hoping to do with our brand. We wanted a name that was relatable. We wanted to illustrate a culture that was urban, blue collar, laid back. Wanted a name that was transferable, reproducible. There is a South City component to most major cities. Kind of a tagline that came out of it was, need cider? Simply head south. It seemed to be a really organic name and one that was easy to get behind. And I really liked the directionality of it. Also, just in truth, it rolled off the tongue better than San Bruno cider, which I feel bad about. I'm sorry, San Bruno. But... Um, just doesn't have the same ring to it as South City Cider does. <laughs> and then Cider Works kind of continued that industrial feel that we wanted for the brand, a little bit more so than, say, a cider house or cidery, which I see kind of linking more to like an estate uh, or an orchard. So South City Cider Works uh, became the name for the brand and the name that we, we ran with, and it was, it was awesome. So with that name... The initial logo flowed actually really easily. We did do a rebrand in 2017, which I will talk about in a later episode, but the logo we launched with was a very basic one. It was a big compass that pointed south. Easy, memorable, keep it simple, just like what we were trying to do with our cider. We also wanted to keep that industrial feel, so we settled on a 12-ounce silver can with the logo on both sides. So that as it sat on the shelf, there was a 50% chance that you could read the logo since they aren't always you know, set out exactly like you want them on the shelves. This will at least give a little bit more of a potential of our visibility of our brand. The design was our creation. Uh, we had a local San Bruno designer tidy it up and make it pretty. It was really cool to, to see that come together so organically. And here we were. We had a goal. We had a name. We had a logo. What's next? What happened is probably what should have happened first 
which was figuring out how to make cider in the first place. And for that, we headed down to Monterey to blow a bunch of money on some home fermentation equipment. Then we headed up to Napa to blow even more money on a small hand crusher, a juice press, and some yeast. We started scouring the internet for step-by-step processes of fermenting apple juice. Juice was procured from local markets in gallon jugs. And there was even a visit to wine country to collect 120 pounds of fresh-picked Gravensteins, which is one of our more popular heritage apples here in California. And I mean, we basically sought out anything and everything that we could get our hands on in those early days. And we spent whole days cutting, crushing, pressing apples in our small apartment kitchen and learning so much as we went. It was very satisfying to see that five-gallon plastic jug, which we call carboys in the industry, fill up with fresh juice. And it was so yummy. We played with a bunch of different types of yeast to see which one really stood out for us. And in those first few batches, I have to say, I made some pretty killer apple cider vinegar because, well, A, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And B, we didn't have a great way to temperature control those plastic carboys during fermentation, which one does find very quickly is a critical component of cider making. For about eight months, at least, the, the bathtub and the dining room floor were completely full of bubbling carboys. Bottle-conditioned cider could be found hidden under the bathroom sink in 22-ounce bottles. And a small corny keg that holds carbonation took up the bottom half of our fridge. It was a zoo, and we were enjoying it. I slowly made it beyond vinegar and into the realm of actual hard apple cider. And some batches definitely came out better than others. But our confidence was bolstered, and we were ready to dive into the details then of what a company would look like. There was so much work that did need to still be done, but at that point, we felt like we had a really solid start. It was exciting. It was a new enterprise, and we had high hopes for, for what South City Cider Works could become. And I will end it there for now. But that's my answer to why we decided to make cider in the first place. And sometimes it really does just come down to an aha moment to get you started on the journey. If that does happen, don't ignore it. And are you a woman looking to start a cider company or any company for that matter? Are you wanting to make a drastic career shift? Well, send me your story because I would love to hear about it. My email is info at othercwords.com. So for our next episode, I'm going to kind of continue this origin story and creation of the company, but we'll be walking through those pesky business plan questions that are so critical when you're first starting out a company. How do you decide on the packaging? What types of cider do you want to make? Who is your target audience? Did it even make sense to start a cider company in Northern California in 2014? You know, those details. (laughs) So in the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review to help out this young podcast. Five stars goes a long, long way, and I so appreciate your support. So for more information about me and this podcast, visit us online at othercwords.com. And talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening.